Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. I'm Alex Mead and have a pretty fun guest today, uh, somebody that I've met through Rev Genius and some other avenues online. But we have Ashley Levesque from Demio. She's the Director of Marketing. So Ashley, go ahead and introduce yourself and then I'm gonna, I got some good questions for you. Awesome. Hi, I'm Ashley. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I'm the Director of Marketing at Demio. Demio is a, a browser-based webinar platform. Um, so I've been there uh, just since September, actually. So I'm still kind of a newbie there, but um, but really excited to talk more about it and, and all of the other great stuff that we're going to get into. Yeah, so something interesting. I think when I first met you, you were working at the robotic, uh, robotics company. Yes. And you had just like made this proclamation that you were actually leaving. And I remember this was like, I don't know, you probably know it better, obviously, but it felt like it was early on in the pandemic. So what was it, what was it like, what was it like leaving at a time when the world felt crazy (laughs) uh, and, and then like kind of landing this new position? Yeah. Scary. Um, you know, I, I left, uh, soft robotics is the company that I was at and I had been there. Uh, wow. About four years, four and a half years, maybe. Um, I was employee number 10 there. I, I built up the marketing department. So I have, I had, and I still have quite a bit of loyalty there. Um, and, uh, in July, there were a lot of reasons for leaving, um, some leadership changes for one and some, other turnover with with uh, with some colleagues of mine, but um, in July I was like, yeah, I think it's time to move on, and I left without having something lined up. Um, and at the time, at the time, even in July, the <laughs> the the situation was certainly different than it was in March, right? Like there were definitely more jobs yeah. available, you know, in July than there were in March, and over, you know the full course of time was about four weeks between. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, if I had known it was going to be four weeks, I would have been like, okay, I could have like eased in, you know, maybe <laughs> taken like, some, yeah. like some time, but it's like, you know, searching for a job is a full-time job. And so I was oh, literally yeah. like pounding the pavement every single day and, um, feel really grateful to have landed at Demio. So, uh, super scary, uh, a little bit stressful and also, you know, the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, I had a friend, he, this was like, I don't know, this is 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, uh, back when we were still kind of young and, you know, young 20 somethings and yes. you know, whatever, whatever happened, but he, he left his job or he got fired. I don't remember, but he was like, so excited. He's like, he was a writer. He's like, I'm going to, we were living in LA. He's like, I'm going to take the subway around. I'm going to take the city bus. I'm going to like get inspiration. And then like, it was honestly like six months later and he was, it, you know, you, you never know. So if you knew you had only four weeks in between jobs, you would probably be, you know, working out, you'd read books, you'd like go on. Oh trips. my gosh. I would have like bettered myself. I don't, I, you know, I will say though, that I did, I did the next day, I did plan it a little bit where my final day at Soft Robotics, the very next day, I went on a two week vacation, which is the longest that I've done in a while. And I have a husband and a four-year-old and usually we kind of like, 
it feels like we catch vacations like here and there, yeah. which really are just like longer weekends. They're not really vacations. Yeah. Um, but I will say the experience of not only being able to take a long one, but being able to take probably my first in years where I literally wasn't on my phone because I just didn't have anything to do. You, you had nothing. Yeah. I had nothing to do. And no, and it, it was so weird. And then I will say, so it was on, so it's a 14 day vacation. And on day five is when I really felt myself like I'm in vacation. It takes me a while to like unwind and feel like I'm settling in. Yeah. And it was around that time where I started to be like, oh my God, <laughs> I should start job searching. Like I, like the panic came quick and like overnight, all of a sudden I was like talking to recruiters and I was putting out my resume and my husband was like, what is happening? Like 24 hour shift where we were literally on Cape Cod. Like it was beautiful. And I was like, ah, totally freaked out. Uh, but it worked. Yeah. Out. I just ordered a glass of wine. I thought we're having like, a I know vacation. what's going on. I was like, we got to wrap this vacation up. This is, yeah. this is too long. I got to uh, fix my resume. We got to go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. No, but it worked out. So obviously going into like some sort of like webinar video platform space, uh, is a good one right now. I mean, yeah. the, the Zoom has become the new Google where it doesn't matter what platform you're on. You can say, let's get on a Zoom call. Um, so talk to me, talk to me about like your decision to, you know, to go to Demio and, and like where, how that's, what, what your plan is there now that you've come into, you know, a new job during a pandemic, like what was your first, I don't know, 30 days. Are you still in your first 30 days? No, you're, you're out of your first 30 days. What, what was like, yeah. what was that whole transition like? Yeah. So it's my first time in SaaS, which is very different than the robotics industry for a billion and one reasons, which is part of what is exciting and part of what is, you know, moving to a new, changing, changing not only jobs, but industries kind of in the middle of a pandemic that really serves, you know, the, the webinar industry is just a really interesting, you know, kind of observation. Um, so it was, you know, it's exciting. I, I, I kind of landed and I wanted to do an audit of what was happening at Demio while trying to really get up to speed on, on SaaS and MarTech and kind of what that means. Um, as, a, as a marketer who has done webinars a lot and who uh, has used a number of different kinds of platforms, I did experience some of these pain points that enabled me to like speak to marketers, um, you know, about, about some of the value propositions of Demio in a unique way, I think. Um, but there's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm every, a lot of things are different. The things that I'm measuring are different. The things that I care about are different um, from a KPI and metric perspective. And also a little bit not, you know, marketing is marketing. Uh, you got to figure out like how to tell your story. You got to yeah. figure out who you're talking to. And in those ways, it, it's really all the same, uh, yeah. but definitely different than uh, robots for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like robotics to SaaS is, is certainly much different of a like, diff different demographic, different type of person, Yeah. But, but marketing is marketing. I mean, like the tactics, you, you know, are the same. You might change them. You might not use all of them. Uh, but it's really just like how you're saying it or like the method in which you are getting your message out um, totally. or like how you're reaching people. So I, I was actually, I've been meaning to ask you that question because I know, you know, we've worked in some industrial manufacturing before and it is, 
a much different animal than, than SaaS, you know, for sure. So we're, we're an inbound marketing. So like manufacturing robotics, like you can go the entire buyer's journey and each stage could be months, you know, mm-hmm. or years mm-hmm. in some cases, but SAS, it's like, come to the site. What's the value? What's a quick demo. And now I want it. And that could be an hour. That could be yeah. 10 yeah, and certainly a different animal in terms of like how you approach it. So I've been, I've been kind of questioning, uh, curious about that for a little bit now. Yeah. Um, I, so I have another question okay. and this is going to be maybe off topic, but uh, you majored and you worked in musical theater for a while before getting into marketing. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about, well, two, two part question. Talk to me about that transition and like, what did you, what have you learned from like how much of it have you brought over into marketing? Oh my God, everything, literally everything. So uh, I got, so I, I am providing some context. I have my bachelor's degree in theater and voice performance. Um, and then I got, I got a master's degree in musical theater. That's a real thing, by the way, people, yeah. in case you didn't know, that's like an actual thing that people study and, uh, you know, they'll give you degrees for that. So yeah. I have one. Um, and I really think apart from the obvious, which is, you know, I now work at like a, a webinar platform company, but apart from the obvious around like public speaking and being able to communicate clearly and effectively, uh, being a, an artist in that way is is exclusively about storytelling. At the end of the day, that's that's really my job as an actress yeah. is to tell a story. And one of the key things that I that I really bring with me that I encur- that I would encourage marketers to actually look to theater to remind them of is something that we always say in the theater community, which is that our audience is like another actor on stage with us, right? So. I'm on stage with two or three other people and I'm having a scene and the audience is a part of that scene. And there, it's a different show and a totally different experience if the audience is not there, right? If I'm just rehearsing with people or if I'm on stage by myself, yeah. uh, you know, practicing, then it's not, it's not very dissimilar from practicing in the shower or practicing in this room, right? Yeah. Um, the audience is an active part of your performance and so there's a feedback loop that happens when you're on stage and it's hopefully silent unless your audience is for some reason like talking at you, which I, <laughs> I, I really hope they're not. But in some instances, unfortunately, they are sometimes sidebar. I will sometimes there have been times where I have been on stage and I have had people like think they are at the movie theater and they're just talking <laughs> out loud as if they are not humans like um. But anyway, you know, our our responsibility is to make sure that that feedback loop is effective. And so I'm on stage and I'm telling my story, but there is a part of me being on stage telling my story that is also required to be mindful of how are they responding to my story? Yeah. Are are they laughing when they're supposed to laugh? <laughs> are they crying when they're supposed to cry? I'm I'm pausing for them to clap for the brilliance that I'm doing on stage, right? I'm not talking over them. Yeah. You know, there, there are these moments, um, some shows more than others that that require, you know, some real attention to that. Yeah. And in a lot of the same ways, 
marketers marketing in a vacuum without the, not only the aware, it's not the awareness of your audience. It's, it's the participation of them, right? It is, they are, they are a part of your story. And if they're not, then you're not actually telling a story. You're just practicing. You're just kind of, you're not marketing. You're just practicing tricks and tips and and skills maybe. Um, So all of that. Yeah, all of yeah, that, that came from theater. That's an interesting uh, like takeaway from it because it, it is very interesting. Like marketing, you know, especially now it's a conversation. It's a relationship building yeah. tool, or at least it, you know, in many cases it is. And when you're on stage, you're building a relationship or a communicative, you know, message, you know, like it's, it's a two-way street. If yeah. people don't clap when you think that's supposed to be funny, that's going to throw you off. Um, or if people laugh when it wasn't supposed to be funny, that also throws you off. Yeah. And when I looked, when I looked up and realized that that's your background, it kind of clicked to me because we, I think we originally met at one of the Rev Genius, like original round tables and a couple of those and some other kind of obviously all virtual things. And you definitely bring that like, I don't want to like performance, but not like in a, and then like in a bad way, but like in a good way, like you, everything you do is like a, almost like a story you're telling a speech, a presentation, a way pausing to the right time, using the right, you know, infliction of, of your voice. And that's something that I've had to kind of learn and try to work at it. Pre COVID, I was in a Toastmasters group where I had yeah. to learn how to tell that story, you know, in, in person. And yeah. I found it really hard over Zoom. At least it's not translating as well. It is hard. I mean, so much of how we communicate is through body language. Yeah. And so much of, of what I think is interesting about theater in particular, and also interesting about um, work relationships with my colleagues, is getting to know them better on a more intimate level like that. I, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a meeting laying down like a proposal or sharing an idea, I'm, yeah. I'm more interested in the way people are responding than how they're responding. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of that is lost, yeah. lost virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. I'm, I'm kind of known at our company of throwing out really random ideas. Yeah. And in, you know, in February of this year, if I threw that out and I could see like some like, oh, that like you like, you can see light bulbs go on or you just see another, oh, another Alex idea, um, you know, wash over their faces. But on Zoom, everyone's on mute or, you know, they're on mute because their brother's talking to them. They're on mute because, you know, the baby's in the other room. Like there's yeah. all kinds of reasons. And it feels like it's always those blank stares, even if it is a good idea. Yeah. And I think. I've always noticed you've been good on those calls, even if you weren't giving ideas or like talking, there's always uh, the body reactions. And I just like posted something on LinkedIn today about active listening that I always have to remind myself. It's not just nodding and saying like saying, "Uh uh-huh, you know, it's like actually listening and responding in like nonverbal ways as well. And so I think I, I like, like I said, it makes more sense now. Yeah. Or at least like some dots are being connected. <laughs> my mind once other, I saw that. The other thing I think is like, because we're in this zoom, like infested fatigue kind of world is we have to practice that we have to yeah. practice 
and and have moments of being intentional around finding ways to strengthen those feedback loops of yeah. body language and um, conversation. And it's more than just um, bridging connection. You know, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of like, how do we mm -hmm. stay connected in a virtual world? And and I think we want to be careful about the language that we use on that. But I but I think that having giving people validation making sure that people feel heard will empower them to continue to speak and we need people to continue to speak right yeah. we need people to continue to bring those ideas and we need to be able to stand up and say like i don't like that idea so much like or <laughs> yeah. or help me better understand right but we yeah. need to elevate that a little bit now yeah. where we didn't have to before and yeah. and so i think we just have to be mindful of that yeah that's a good point yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. I feel like I'm more connected with people I wouldn't have been since March. I mean, example right yeah. here. Um, I don't think I would have probably joined. I probably would have joined Rev Genius, but Rev Genius may not have even started if totally. we weren't all stuck in this pandemic. I think where I've lost touch with the people that I was more connected with pre-COVID. Like, I think the people in my area, like actually people nearby, it feels weird to do like a group Zoom when we're three houses down. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, we used to be office mates in the same building, but now, you know, now we're in different worlds, it feels like. Yeah, that's such a good point. I feel that too. You know, you mentioning that, that resonates with me a lot. I feel, I feel much more disconnected from my community and much more connected to you know, random strangers that really have become my community. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's no judgment on that. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't think that needs to be bad or good. I just think it, that just is. And that's, yeah. a, it's an interesting observation for sure. Yeah. It's like my, my closest group of people used to be, um, we, we help run the San Diego HubSpot user group and yeah. we would meet once a quarter, every couple months, you know, 80 of us would get together have a, have like a drink or two, go through some HubSpot, you know, like those were people you'd like throw, you know, run ideas by, you know, brainstorm, get solutions. And now I feel like, you know, I've got uh, that campfire mastermind and there's eight people that come that don't live in San Diego. Right. Um, so it's like my groups and circles have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I found this when I was doing my job search too, was as companies were beginning to adopt that remote future, you know, remote work was the future of their organization. Right. It expanded their candidate pool in such yeah. an impressive way that enabled yeah. them to get better talent because yeah. now they're not limited, you know, yeah. to their space and allowed candidates to, to get better jobs because yeah. now they can really reach for stuff that they love without feeling like they have to move across the country for yeah. it. Yeah, it's that's cool. that's also interesting. And I think some companies have figured that out already and some, you know, obviously wanted to be that local talent and have people in the office. Um, but, you know, for like a company like ours, so we, we do a lot of HubSpot, a HubSpot, someone who knows HubSpot really, really well in San Diego is expensive. Sure. Because, because San Diego, San Diego is expensive. Right. Um, but now we can utilize resources all across the country, um, which are, we, you know, still paying fair wage, but it's certainly, you know, can be, can be different scales. So it's, yeah, it's interesting from all sides, but then they're getting exposure to bigger agencies that aren't in their local area. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, some of, so 
something that I found coming to Demio, Demio has always been a remote company since its inception and they have employees all over the world and they were designed that way. And that is a very different feel than a company that was not designed to be remote, trying to adapt to being remote. Um, And that's not to say that not every company was able to do that successfully, but it's, it's, there's a different, you know, I keep bringing up the word intention, but there's a different intention about that. There's something purposeful about the way you've designed your culture to, to be supported yeah. upon a remote infrastructure yeah. that requires something different than just like, okay, everyone grab your laptops. Now you're working from home. That's yeah. not, you know, that, that doesn't always work. Yeah. Well, what was the interview process like? So it's completely remote. So obviously there might be people who live in Boston, maybe not, but like, what was that process like? Actually, I love Demio's interview process. And it was part of what gave me an insight into their culture. Because one of the one of the potential downfalls of, of a remote company, although it doesn't matter now during COVID, obviously, <laughs> is when you do job interviews, you go into the office and you take a look at the people to get a sense of the culture. And you kind of like yeah. put your ear up against the door and, <laughs> and you kind of see what people are working on. And it gives you some kind of sense of like, what is it going to be like here day to day? Um, but again, Demios thought of that ahead of time. So it was a four part interview series. Um, and the, the first part was like a very standard, like, let's make yeah. sure she's not crazy kind of interview. Um, they also, as part of the application process, the application itself was quite different. So it did require a little bit more upfront than just like a resume to also, um, give you a sense, give me a sense right off the bat of like, uh, you know, they're serious about who they're looking for. Uh, their application was fun. It was full of emojis. Um, but it required a video. It asked me to, you know, put together a video and it asked me to answer questions outside of the scope of like, what was your last job and blah, blah, blah. So after getting through that, the first like interview like this was very standard kind of half hour. Um, then I had a homework assignment that I then presented on another call to the, the co-founders and we actually talked through it. It was, um, why did you choose this? What do you think would be first that you would hit if this was what you were gonna implement? What kind of resources would you need if you were gonna oh, implement cool. this? How about a budget, that kind of stuff. Then there was an entire, um, hour dedicated just to culture. And so that hour was actually broken up by half of the hour was myself with other employees, just talking about like, what do you like about working here? What do you do? Tell me a little bit about how all these departments are interconnected. And then this is my favorite part. The, the, The final half hour of that interview was a run through of Demio's mission and values. So we actually like pulled up the document where all the values are listed. And we talked about like, these are our business objectives. This is where we're going to go. This is how this role fits into that. And it just couldn't have been clearer. It gave me every indication that I needed to help me understand, is this going to be a good fit? I saw everything that I needed to see. It was incredible. That's great. I mean, like that's, that's, uh, I've always been curious because, you know, like that, so Beacon's point, we, we were in person, we're now remote, like, like, you know, a lot of people, same story mm-hmm. and we're starting to hire remote. You know, we hired someone remote in July and kind of trying to understand, you know, we, we tried to build that process in person, 
And then it's like, how do you translate that to, uh, to the virtual world without making it weird? You know, yeah. like you have the first crazy interview to see if the candidate is crazy, mm-hmm. but it's also to see if the company's crazy. You know, totally. Is this a, is this a weird place to work? Like, do, the, do they figure it out? Um, so I, I like that. I like that 30 minute of what now we're, we're the hiring managers, the bosses, the, the co-owners, founders, were they on that 30 minute portion with the employees or was it just like you employees and they could like speak freely? So they could speak freely. Um, and I, and I sort of nudged them to, I sort of really pushed them to say, you know, I asked them pointed questions around, you know, by this point, yeah. I understand the role really well. So I'm not asking them any questions about marketing. Um, and yeah. also I, I was the first, I'm the first formal marketer that the team has ever hired. So there is no playbook for like what marketing yeah. does at Demio. So they, they have yeah. no idea anyway. Um, <laughs> So I asked, I asked them pointed questions. I'm like, what don't you like? You know, um, help me understand what you would get off of your plate if you could. And what was really interesting to me that each, each of them of the two said was within Demio, they both started in a different position than where they are now. So that talks a lot about growth, right? That talks a lot about opportunity to kind of step up and say, can I try something else? Can I try something else? Um, Demio's ability and excitement towards some professional development, like teaching people, training people, sending them to courses. Um, So again, I learned a lot about, and again, going back to body language, I'm like really watching them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, we're kind of like this. There's like a square and a square and a square. And I'm watching, like, are their eyes darting around? Are they, you know, are they kind of crossing? Do I feel like they feel unable to be honest with me in any way. And they're just like open and free. And like, there's nothing, they were, you know, candid with me about some of the things they wish would change or some of the priorities. And I was like, perfect. No company's, you know, perfect. So that was great. Yeah. I mean, no company's perfect. Like there's always things you need to change and prove that, you know, over time either adapt or get changed, but um, you know, like that open and honest conversation, I think, even that they said there's things that they'd like to change, it doesn't matter what they are. The fact right. that there are things that they feel now, now hopefully, hopefully it's not like uh, they pay terribly and there's no right. benefits and they don't respond to your PTO request. Like hopefully it's none of those things, but right. Uh, right. you know, those are red flags, obviously. Yeah, for sure. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. So that was your first, this is, this is, so, so Demio is your first all virtual company because it, at the robotics, obviously they had a, you know, location. We had an office there now as of March. So from March to July, I was working from home at the robot company. Um, but it, yeah, that company was not designed to be remote. So this is my first fully remote. So it is, I will say, and this is something that I actually talked about in my interview as well, is I said, I'm a little nervous about (laughs) knowing that once this all goes away, that I don't have anywhere to go. You know, I'm like right now, it fits into the parameters of COVID yep. for me. So like, I'm like, it, it, I get it right now, but when the world opens back up, help me. And I, I did, I asked for tips. I'm like, help me with setting up my desk, help me with figuring out, um, you know, where do you work? How do you schedule your time and, and where in your house and how do you deal with, you know, at that time too, it was like, there's kids running around, there's spouses, like, how do I yeah. do this? And they were really like accommodating and That's cool. everyone has great ideas because everyone's doing it. So it was, yeah. it was nice. 
That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I adjusting to that myself. I mean, we're actually looking to buy a new house because all of a sudden our perfect house for two kids uh, turned into, we have room for one kid in an office now. Same. Uh, yeah. We're in the exact same boat. I literally, the other day I was like, it's time because yeah. if we're both going to be working from home and it's just, it's too small. Yeah. It's like we all of a sudden space. your house that was comfortable. Oh, uh, that you're like, yeah, it's nice. Like, I don't want it too big. Now you're just sudden you're like, you're next in my space. Get out of here. You're in my space all the time. And you know, this sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but I just never expected to spend this much time here. Do you know what I mean? Like the majority of my, of every single day is, was spent in an office. Yeah. So like, I mean, I like, you know, I like our place and like, I'm comfortable here, but I just never, now that I'm here all yeah. the time, I'm looking at these walls and like <laughs> the molding. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. Get me yeah. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, exactly. I, I would only spend what, 30% of a week looking at the things I need to do around the house. And now I spend a hundred percent of my time be like, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. Exactly. Uh, totally. I get it. Well, we went off on a tangent and uh, I think we're, I think we're out of time, but I really uh, appreciate your open and honesty with, you know, both your transition and then kind of your, your experience um, going to Demio. I think that's, I think that's interesting. I mean, we're going to start to hear, I think more stories like that. Um, and, yeah. and as people kind of shift and transition, you know, we're doing another episode about um, two owners or two like CEOs, you know, level one that moved, transitioned two years ago, three years ago to remote and one that like everybody else was forced to and like how culture is being kept. And it's so, I think this is a story we're all going to keep, you know, learning from and, and it's going to keep, keep transitioning. So I think it was, it was really interesting. It sounds like Demio is doing, has a good plan, a good intention and, and, a, and a way forward for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think keeping culture as part of that conversation is right on. Like the, I think yeah. that is the thing that is most likely to fall in these remote conversations. And yeah. again, making sure that someone has the dot for that. Like who's yeah. responsible for yeah. being intentional yeah. about that change? It doesn't have to be like a people ops HR person. It just has to be someone or a group of people yeah. who are going to be dedicated to thinking yeah. about how do we yeah. keep this running? That'll yeah. be so important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm sure many more conversations to come, but I wanna thank you for your time. Uh, I know it's uh, when we're recording this, it's a little later where you it's like are. like midnight here, not just kidding. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate that. Uh, as, as I promised, it's now dark outside. Yeah. When we started, it would be light and by the time it got dark. <sighs> um, but I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you again and have thank a good you. rest of your week. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's show. I just wanted to recap my conversation with Ashley Levesque, uh, the Director of Marketing at Demio. And, you know, she brought up some really, you know, important uh, bits from her history and what kind of led her to some of her philosophies, you know, going through musical theater, being an actor, and really just giving us that information that when, when an actor's on stage, they're only one piece of that story and that the the audience how the audience reacts how they don't react how their presence there is part of that start that story and if there's no audience you're you're essentially practicing and so relating that to marketing is that you will always need to think about your audience not just thinking about how to connect with them but making sure they're part of that story
making sure they're engaged, they're responding. And that is really what it, the key of marketing is, is how to get your audience to engage and be, be present and be part of that story. Otherwise, you're just practicing. Uh, you know, she also talks about, you know, the importance of like the new hire interview, especially now when we're in a fully remote kind of situation here. And, you know, when she's interviewed at Demio, you know, there was a four, four or five part interview process, which some of it was your pretty standard, you know, your interviews with questions. Um, she had to present some homework, you know, some ideas and thoughts, but it was also connecting with the current employees. And I think that's important as we kind of enter 2021, a lot of us, are in new territory. We started off as, you know, working in an office, you know, temporary transitioned out of there. And now for a lot of us, we've gone fully remote and there's really no plan to go back, uh, at least as of now. And I think that importance of that human connection while staying remote, while staying virtual, really making those connections with your employees, making those connections in meetings, um, and how to make virtual still engaging. So some interesting stuff there. So I want to thank Ashley. You know, she also co-host the the Rev Genius podcast. I want to make sure everybody checks that out. Uh, Rev Genius is a sales and marketing community uh, started during COVID where there's about, I think, over 8,000 members now uh, in a Slack channel. You know, I've got a podcast and a great community that, you know, I started, I joined in uh, June and actually leads the podcast efforts over there. So be sure to check that out. Um, she's also got a lot of great things going on at Demio. So I would check that out. A lot of fun webinar um, and brand affinity things that, that, that she's been doing, especially during the holidays. There was a, you could join a five minute meditation uh, once a week that she led, which is a pretty awesome thing. So thank everybody for listening and tune in for next time. Thanks for listening to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B2B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. Thanks for listening. See you next time.